Friday, September 16th, 2022. This is episode 21 of the Saluki Gamescast, the greatest podcast in the Midwest region. Woohoo! We've got to get better on that cheering section. What's best? Uh, Hey, at least I cheered. (laughs) No one's ever going to knock us down. That's true. We, we can complain about Ryan. He he didn't jump in right away. I yeah. sang, though. <laughs> was, was that not good? <laughs> we'll give you credit for singing when you did finally respond. Uh, <laughs> Gotta build those, up that enthusiasm. Those voices you hear are Alicia Utek and Ryan Frills. My name is Justin Young. Sitting out this week is O.J. Duncan. He's actually out on assignment. He is spreading the gospel of the Saluki Games cast far and wide, Getting other people on board. Soon we will be the greatest podcast, not just in the Midwest, but the entire United States. So, Woo-hoo! Godspeed, OJ. <laughs> He's preaching the word of chaos mode. <laughs> <laughs> very, very likely, yes. Um, Alicia, Ryan, how have you been doing? I'm tired. We're prepping for... Um, Zoe Friedkin is doing her show Left on Red in the Kleinau Theater next week. And I'm the assistant director for that, and both of us being part of the Kleinow crew, especially next week, is going to be busy with Tech Week and the show itself. So, yeah, I'm pretty tired, but I'm hanging in there. You know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not a train. No, it's it's a production. It is theater. <laughs> the theater. It's the, the bright theater. lights of Broadway that you're seeing <laughs> at the end of the tunnel. Exactly. Uh, Ryan, how do you how have you been? I'm good. I'm a little I'm a little sleepy too, but um, I'm doing good right now. So, I've recently finished uh, the third season of Harley Quinn. On how is that? I I really like it. It's not my favorite show. There's just little continuity issues I have, and I I get that it's probably not supposed to be taken that seriously in those places, but there's just little things that frustrate me here and there. But overall, I, I've i enjoyed it. The character progression is interesting. It's cool to see Harley Quinn move from uh, an awful relationship with the Joker to having a very healthy relationship with Poison Ivy. And I think the char- the way they do the characters is really interesting and a lot of fun. Like, I like how Bane has, like, Tom Hardy's voice, but it's just kind of like this sappy... He's fantastic. Like, um, he's I, like the put upon character, and like nobody respects Bane. And <laughs> he, he's what? Al- he's always kind of like whining and g- to himself, and like, well, people will understand me someday. <laughs> like his whole big thing about like uh, in like season three is like there's there was a wedding that didn't go through at the end of season two. Spoil too much, but like he got a pasta maker the couple but because the marriage didn't go through he wants his pasta maker back and he's just annoyed that they won't give it back to him like that's his big thing <laughs> oh. during season three and then he realizes that he might have depression which i mean it's a serious thing but it's just how they do it with bane you know i'm i i'm neurodivergent i preach the gospel of neurodivergence just how they do it with bane though i i did find entertaining well i i think they i think they handle issues like that well because mm-hmm. yeah they're making a joke but they're also treating it seriously. Yeah. And so they're not turning it entirely into a joke. Like they are at the same time still, you know, trying to treat issues seriously. 
like yeah, like it does a good the season three does like a good job of actually like talking about and responding to characters' trauma mm-hmm. and how they grow through it. Like you get a lot of that with Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, and like you know you still see some bits of like the Joker's relationship and how she relates to Ivy at times, and it's about Ivy trying to like figure out how to healthily respond to that in places. Right. Um, and like, I like what else was I thinking? Also like. Batman's trauma and inability to get past, like, the death of his parents. Like, they actually talk about that in an interesting way we've never seen before. So it's, like, it's funny, but it's also clever and smart. Uh, When I talk about the continuity issues, for the most part, the continuity is good. Me and my friend Carly talked about this. But one of the things is, like, there's, like, an episode in season one where, like, Harley Quinn gets shot in the leg multiple times. And then in the next episode, which doesn't take long after that, like, her leg's fully healed. And I'm just like, ah. I mean, I get it's animated and it's probably not supposed to be taken that seriously in that point, but there's still that part of me that's like, come on, continuity. <laughs> I always find what annoys me with continuity in a show like that is when they don't go one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Like, it is not full continuity or it's not like there's no continuity. So, it's- like, is it going to be The Simpsons where nothing carries over from episode to episode? Or is it going to be, uh, you know, very strict continuity, something like, you know... Um, 2000's Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Right, like that entire sort of universe, right? The whole original DC animated universe and everything. Um, and, like, it's when they'll be, you know, they'll carry over some things but ignore some other things. Yeah, That's what frustrates me. Cause I'm like, I, I don't care. If you want to be a cartoon and you know, reset at the beginning of every new episode. That's fine by me. But then you've got to be consistent with that. Yeah, yeah. That, that's something that, like, I love me some classic Simpsons, but I like to also watch characters age and progress. And, like, just I'm not a big fan of e- the idea of, like, Bart and Lisa being eternally children and, you know, and, like, them just going through the motions and remembering some things, but also just not questioning the fact that somehow they've all been the same age for this long. And the Ash, the Ash Ketchum dilemma. Well, Ash Ketchum, at least there, and there probably is for the Simpsons too. I'm just not like, I don't watch that show, so it's not on my radar at all, but Ash Ketchum, at least there's some actually fairly plausible theories about, you know, very first episode he sees Ho-Oh and we assume he makes a wish of some kind. And the wish that I've seen the theory that the wish that he makes with Ho-Oh is to be able to travel around with his friends forever. And so Ho-Oh is granting his wish by keeping him eternally young. Wow. I had no idea. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Again, not, not confirmed anywhere. This is, but I don't know. I, to me, it's much more plausible than for a long time. Like the Ash coma theory was a big thing. And I just that never he's imagining liked that. all this because he's in a coma. But yeah. it's just kind of like an easy way out. Theory, it's an easy though. way out. It was very like It's a cheap. It's ending. cheap. It's cheap. I think it, and it really originated from like, you know, the era where of creepypasta. Yeah. Where everything had to become dark. Right. And I was like, man, can we just have it, fun? It also just <laughs> feels like really bad, like psychology like and this explains this and this explains this and i'm so smart (laughs) yeah and they're like the pokemon i think this i really saw this around like 
Gen 4, Gen 5, and they're like, the Pokemon keep getting weirder because, you know, weirder designs because the longer he's in the coma, the more he loses touch with reality. And I was like, okay, we're done. <laughs> That's why a bag of trash is now Pokemon. Yeah. So. Or an ice cream cone. <laughs> um, yeah, so the Harley Quinn show, I've, I haven't watched the third season. I did watch the first two seasons. I liked it quite a bit. Um, I bounced off that show the first time I tried to watch it. Uh, the first time I tried to watch it, I was like, oh, this show, no, this is not what I want to see. And um, and I went back and gave it a second chance later, and I, I got really into it. And Bane's wonderful. King Shark is wonderful. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, Ron Funch is doing the voice for King Shark. It's just brilliant casting. My favorite take on that character so far. Right. Like when I watched the newest Suicide Squad film and they had Sylvester Stallone doing the voice, I was like, oh man, like I I just want Ron Funches doing the voice here. So uh, I liked that take, but it's also kind of felt like it's, I mean, not the exact same, but it kind of felt like Groot all over again. Like, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Like I mean, obviously it was a little differently, and there is like there is two two guns credit. There is different nuances in the in the character, um, but it just it it wasn't that interesting to me. Like this is this is a much more interesting take on King Shark. Yeah, I agree. He's a more dynamic character in the cartoon series than he is in the films. Um, See, I don't have HBO Max, so I have not been able to watch Harley Quinn at all, which. Hurts my heart because Harley Quinn is one of my favorite characters of all time, but now I'm scared because of what you said about Bane. Because <laughs> for me, I'm like Bane is Bane breaks Batman's back the first time he shows up. Like I'm interested to know how they make it work with this, him being kind of the put upon, awkward. <laughs> I would say this show very much sort of leans into that. All these characters are broken. Like, mm-hmm. even the hero characters, like, even um, even Commissioner Gordon, like, they're all oh, just, yeah. they're all just <laughs> broken in yeah. some way. And it's ways often that, you know, are very much in continuity with their classic character, but mm-hmm. it's, like, kind of taking that to its logical conclusion, right? Um, and I don't know. I think as somebody who's a, a big Batman fan, it works for me. Okay. And I, I think like the interpretations are close enough for my enjoyment that like I never feel like any of the characters are just completely out of left field. Okay, they always feel like they're sort of like, hey, you know, like Bane's kind of weird. What if we explored the weird part of Bane and the way <laughs> that Bane is portrayed in the comics and cartoons and films? Like, what if we kind of took that to its logical end? Okay. And, um, you know, I think they do a good job with Harley of making her, to me, at least in film and animation and everything, the best interpretation since the Batman the Animated Series version. Okay. Um of like really making her this three dimensional character and like kind of exploring, you know, like I think Margot Robbie does a very good job in the movies. But she can only work with what's written. Yeah. Right. And I don't think she's given much material with what's written. Yeah. So um, I think she's fantastic and spunky, but she doesn't get the kind of writing that I want Harley to have. Right. Yeah. And I think this does much better at that. 
Okay. Oh yeah, and Poison Ivy is great too. Yeah. Um, I yep. I think if I have to pick one, Poison Ivy is probably my favorite character in it. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's entirely worth watching. I would love to. I just am cheap and <laughs> don't have HBO Max. <laughs> uh, you gotta just you gotta get into cycling through your services. Like, do Netflix this month, HBO the next <laughs> month, and. Also, I, I love that Clayface just really wants to be an actor and is just really bad at it. Right. Like, um, somebody the other day on Twitter had posted a clip from Batman the Animated Series, and I can't remember. I think it's the first time Clayface appears, and mm-hmm. it's the scene where Batman lures him into the television control room and oh, yep. puts his uh, films up on all the monitors and everything. Yeah. And the person talking about it was like, look at how just brilliant the scene is. Mm-hmm. Like, and look at the depth of the animation and the Foley work that's being done. Cause of, you know, every time uh, Clayface changes, there's the sound of the wet mm-hmm. clay and like, it's different each time. So like somebody in the Foley was like doing it different for each one of these. And it, it's just like kind of amazing that that show ever existed. Because that show, as much as I've liked other animated shows, the original Batman the Animated Series, like almost every single one of those episodes is just a master class in storytelling. Like yeah. Not even just animation, just storytelling. Oh, God, the baby doll episode. There was something really special about late 90s, early 2000s animation where those, those shows were made for kids to enjoy and for adults to understand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. And they did it beautifully. And I, I think they eventually got there with, um, you know, with uh, 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 Justice League. Mm-hmm. That, you know, and of course that's all in the same continuity. And I'll like, say the whole DC animated universe, like Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, Teen right. Titans, Superman the Animated Series, Static Shock, all of it was phenomenal. I uh, yeah, I always think of Justice League and Justice League Unlimited as the same show because they really uh, are. <laughs> you know, I mean, well, it's like Batman and the New Adventures of Batman and Robin. Those are the yeah. same show. Like, yeah. I know they changed the art style, but like it's the same characters and continuity. They didn't change any of that. So yeah. Speaking of good animated shows, The Owl House season three and the last season is starting October, and it's only three episodes. They're extended episodes, but there's only three. Rip. <laughs> well, um, I guess our thoughts will be with you, Ryan. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, My favorite show right now. <laughs> all right, let's talk about some video games because we actually have a lot to get to in news. So let's jump right into what you've been playing. Uh, Alicia, what have you been playing this week? I have been so busy. I've not really been able to play a lot of video games. I've mostly been, like, hanging out in Twitch streams, so hanging out with people, 100%ing Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Um, my pal, Griggy13, the other night was doing a lot of, like, community games on stream, so, like, words on stream, and we played Oregon Trail. I, I did not die of dysentery. I, dro- I died of drowning. <laughs> But I did not die of dysentery. <laughs> it's almost the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> the exact opposite. <laughs> um, but 
yeah, I even, I lost my Wordle streak today. So I'm like, okay, like this is just not the week apparently. <laughs> you need to go console with Johnny. I feel like he could. <laughs> True. Um, like Johnny, I know you're my advisor and also my boss for Kleinhouse stuff, but I, what I'm really here to talk about is Wordle advice. <laughs> I, I think he would say, say no more. <laughs> I would cancel the rest support. of my appointments. <laughs> Keep that Wordle stuff away from me. <laughs> um, all right. So a light week and everything. That's yeah. Light week, but it's been nice. You know, even, even when I don't have time to play video games, it's nice to be able to like passively consume them. Sure. And hang out in Twitch chats and go back and rewatch. Um, probably my favorite YouTuber, Rome Mithril, is a Let's Player. And so I've been rewatching his Pokemon Emerald No Evolutions run mm-hmm. just as, you know, I've watched it so many times. It's like my go to bed videos. So, yeah, just kind of getting some nostalgia in there, getting to hang out with other folks and have like the community video game aspect. Right. Very excited for tomorrow. Sunnyside sees doing her community or her charity stream on Twitch at twelve o'clock central. Charity stream for Games for Love. Which, if y'all missed the spiel last week, go listen to last week's episode, and hopefully, we'll see some folks there because we stand charity streams in this house. Absolutely, um, Ryan. Okay, so. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying, how about you? Uh, so light week for me also. <laughs> um, but I, so I played Tetris because that is a good de-stress game. Cause I was kind of stressing out, but I, I do have something else to say about it. Other than what I said last time, just that it's a, you know, a good puzzle game that measures up and is pretty much the perfect puzzle game. So to de-stress, I was just playing it. And rather than listening to the music or the sound effects that comes with, I turned those down to st- zero and, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. I listened to an album that I've been meaning to listen to. Uh, I think the artist's name is Seth Jan Stevens, and the album is Carrie and Lau. Um, and it's just it's a kind of an alternative folk music techno blend in places, and it and just I was kind of listening to the lyrics, but also kind of going in and out, and just also going with the rhythm of it, and just focusing in on Tetris and. I think it was just kind of a good reminder as to how therapeutic and how nice Tetris is just to have there sometimes. Because, like, you know, it, I, again, I was kind of, like, doing it to de-stress, and it's just kind of, like, the rest of the world kind of falls away for a moment, and I'm just focusing on this little task at hand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just the simple, like, the simple, like, successes of just watching some blocks disappear, or just kind of the what's pleasing about watching them build up and, you know, building them up intentionally for a little bit, even if you could end them earlier, just so that you could watch bigger blocks disappear, just kind of, you know, going along with the feeling of letting like everything stressing you out, falling away. It was just really nice feeling. Um, And like, it's not necessarily my favorite game in terms of it's not the game I'm the most excited ever to play or something, but it's just that nice thing that's there. Whenever they're stressed out, I don't want to think about too much. I just want to sit with what I'm feeling or what I'm dealing with and just kind of let it lighten. Um, so, yeah, that's just the main thing I did today was just, and this week, was listen to Tetris. I mean, play Tetris and listen to that album. And it was just a really nice experience. Yeah, 
I feel like that's something we've lost over the years. Um, I feel like we've lost playing uh, actual puzzle games, right? And as we moved into mobile games, a lot of the mobile games that sort of sell themselves as puzzle games are are stuff like Bejeweled, Mm -hmm. where they're kind of mindless. And I feel like the mindlessness of those isn't the same as Tetris, so, like, Tetris requires your concentration, right? And so you can have music on in the background, but, like, your your brain is preoccupied with the Tetris. It's still a game. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we used to get a lot of games like that. Like, we used to get, you know, um, Columns and, you know, all those sorts of games. And we just, we don't get as many. And I understand why, because it's hard to release a game onto consoles to compete with mobile games and you know when there's so many of those and so many of them are free um but it's 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 kind of sad because i I really like a a good strong puzzle game um and you know i can sit and play it for hours and you're right like it it's sort of it occupies the part of your brain that could uh wander when Mm -hmm. playing something else so like you can't think about anything else really, but like you can have music or something on the background that's kind of soothing you while you're doing this, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's a, almost like a, a meditative state that you fall into, right? And like it, I might not be using it necessarily as he intended it, but like it kind of makes me think of the Marshall McLuhan quote: "The medium is the message," because you know he in that book, Understanding Media, where he like says that. You know, it's talking about how media isn't, like, ever, like, a neutral thing. It affects us. It shapes us. It shapes the world. Even if we don't, if, even if we can't say necessarily it's good or bad or anything or something as simple as that or it's having a good effect or a bad effect, it shapes things. And, you know, Tetris, without having a story or anything, it itself is the message in that how, you know, it affects how I feel, how it, mm-hmm. again, how it de-stresses, how it feels like a therapeutic experience just in the sheer mechanics of it. Yeah, no, I think. I think that's what has made Tetris so appealing over the years and why people keep coming back to it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there are other puzzle games that have fallen off and fallen out of favor over the years, but Tetris is good enough that it can keep bringing people back. It's an evergreen. Yeah, yeah. and, there, you know, there aren't a whole lot of video games that can do that. You know, there's not a whole lot of video games at least 30 years ago that people are still actively playing playing on a regular basis. I mean, even with, you know, diehard retro fans and everything, you know, a lot of those retro fans are going back and playing the same handful of games. Right. Um, And the fact that Tetris has, you know, persevered this long is really a testament to that game. And, you know, I think last week when we talked about it, I said, there's a reason that game gets talked about as one of the best games ever made. It's got such an interesting history to it, too. Like, they, how it, like, came in the middle of, you know, I can't remember the name of the guy who created the moment, but how it, you know, it was made in Russia, developed in Russia, and how, it, like, its emergence in the world, like, and how it struggled through Cold War politics to spread, and now it's ubiquitous, like. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's a fascinating, fascinating story. Um, there's actually, um, you might be interested, there's a graphic novel that I, I am i am interested in it it's, it's on my radar <laughs> all right cool um let's see um i'm kind of in the same boat as both of you i just have not had any time this week and i'm probably gonna even have less time uh this coming week because i've got 
plans for different things. So, uh, but I did play a little bit more of Tinykin. Uh, that is the Pikmin-like uh, platformer where you're exploring, you know, like bedrooms and that sort of thing and uh, collecting different items as you go through. That's a fantastic game, particularly for a little indie game. Um, it it has the feel of a much more big budget game than it actually is. And, you know, there are elements where you can kind of look at it and go, oh, well, this is obviously an indie game. It's just a very well done indie game. And so I think um, it deserves quite a bit of credit for pulling that off so well. Um, but yeah, that, that's really it. Um, you know, I've, I've checked out a few things on mobile, but nothing worth mentioning really because <laughs> they, they haven't stuck with me. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's jump into the news. Cause like I said, we have quite a bit of news to get through this week. So, uh, first off we had some big announcements. Uh, PlayStation held a state of play. Uh, I'm going to kind of read through these, and if there are ones you particularly want to talk about, we can talk about them. So they showed off some new footage for Tekken 8. Uh, they showed off they're doing a, uh, a Western port for Yakuza Ishin. Uh, they showed off a new game called Pacific Driver, uh, Pacific Drive, excuse me, and the Square Enix game called Project Eve has been rebranded, and they had a brand-new trailer. It is now called Stellar Blade. Um, now, there were some other things shown as well. Those were the things that kind of just really jumped out as, like, you know, really kind of interesting things to look at. Um, any of those interests, either of you? I'm afraid to be interested in PlayStation games until I can get a PS5. <laughs> I, yeah, I got a PS4, but if it's anything new, I'm like, I want the 5 version. Um, <laughs> I Just because I've started playing it, um, I need to get back to it. But just because I started it a while back, I am interested in the Yakuza-ishin game. Um, just because I started... I, I, this was before the podcast started, but I started playing Yakuza 0. Yeah. It was just a really good game. Yeah, like That has is. got like some of the best world design, I think. Um, so just anything like I want to, that's something I want to do is I want to get back to the Yakuza games and be able to play the mainline ones. And uh, yes, that said, I'm interested in other ones and therefore I'm probably interested in this one too. Yeah. This one's kind of more of a spinoff and everything. Um, you know, it certainly is. It certainly looks interesting. A smaller game than the mainline games, but like those mainline games are pretty big games. So yeah. maybe that's more appealing to some people. Um, Tekken 8 looks fantastic. Like, they did note that that was not actual. It wasn't the, the way the final game will look, but it was being rendered in real time. So it wasn't pre-rendered footage, but it has them fighting, and there's, like, storms going on in the background, and it's raining, and um, it just looked, you know, looked like a next-generation fighting game. Um and, you know, that and Street Fighter, um, where are we on, six? Yeah. Um, <laughs> both of those games look fantastic. And so that's kind of exciting if you like fighting games. Um, so I was impressed by those. Um, well, let's move on. Let's talk about Nintendo. They had a Direct, um, and I think there was more news that kind of came out of this, or at least more news that I think will be interesting to the people in this room. <laughs> <laughs> more of an Nintendo nerd. 
So um, we finally got a title for the new Zelda game. This is the uh, this is the sort of direct follow up and everything. Um, so it is now called Tears of the Kingdom, or potentially Tears of the Kingdom. They only wrote it; they did not say it out loud. <laughs> but I'm going to assume it's Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, that they also dated it is coming out next May, May 12, 2023. So are you excited? I've seen some really interesting, I haven't had a chance to watch any of it, but I've seen a lot of people talking about like the comparison between having breath of the wild. So we had the wild and then now we have tears of the kingdom. So we're back in the kingdom. I'm like, this sounds very intriguing to me. (laughs) The floating islands looked really cool. And I, so I, admittedly, I never finished um, Breath of the Wild, but now I want to go back to it and finish it. Now that I, or, you know, play, at least finish the main storyline and play a lot of the quests and stuff in it that's that are fun. Because um, I I was really enjoying it for a while. It was just taking up so much time, and I wanted to play other things. Sure. Um, so, and I, I felt like I was getting really lost in that game, which is its own fun experience, but I was like, okay, I want to do something for a little bit where I have a better idea of what I'm doing. Um, but... No, I, I'm now encouraged to go back and finish Breath of the Wild so that I can play this when it comes out. Yeah. Um, it Because, it, like, when I remember when I first put on Breath of the Wild or first saw it, like, being played, it was so gorgeous. And it looked like a Studio Ghibli film, like, in video game form. Um, which, you know, I love me some Studio Ghibli. So, I... And it was just, it was just such a fun world to explore and move around in. And I liked the weapon crafting system and stuff. And I... I, I'm point. I'm excited. Yeah, <laughs> Breath of the Wild is one of those like, just budget wise, I haven't been able to get it and play it myself. But I, re- I also, I just really enjoy watching like a bunch of challenge runs for it because people come up with the silliest challenge runs. Like, I think butter percent is the, the you know, put put butter on a dog. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or like the pet all the dogs percent. I'm like, I am here for the, this, so I'm excited to see. You know, maybe if they do a bundle at some point with Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, then I then I might be able to buy it and get both. But regardless, I'm excited to see what kind of fun things come out of this world again. Yeah, I think uh, I think Breath of the Wild was part of what made that game so fun and so gripping was the openness of it mm-hmm. and. Yeah, it's an open world game, but there was a level of openness to that game that you don't get from most open world games. So I think Alicia, what you're talking about, like the the just creativeness that it allows for people to play through that. You know, you see people doing things like, okay, well, I'm going to shoot myself up and across the entire world by doing this thing, and you're just like, what? What? Like, why are? How did this even occur to you? <laughs> right, and it, and it doesn't even feel like a glitch. It feels like a manipulation of the systems in the game, and I think that's really exciting. Um, and I think looking forward to this game is exciting to think like, okay, well, you know, they've already shown off that they're they were introducing some new systems and everything. Like, how will those then affect this? Because um, I feel like they very much made that first game feel like a, a playground you could mm-hmm. play around in rather wow. than a strict, you know, a strict traditional open world game. 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, and that way, I, I think it, it it leans very close in a lot of ways um, to Grand Theft Auto. Like, that was always the appeal of Grand Theft Auto was that it was a playground to kind of play in even more so than the story of the game. And I think they do that very well. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to see that game. Um, let's see, what else we have? Pikmin 4 uh, is coming out next year. A whole new Pikmin game. Yay! Um, one of the things that they showed was that there would be a camera angle that would put you down like closer to the Pikmin level, so you would have an even lower view of the game world and everything. So that looks pretty neat in there, uh, looking at it. That looks like it's that's gonna be so fun. Like Pikmin is such a comfort game for me. Just in it's simple, it's cute, it's just a lovely series. And I'm very excited for Pikmin 4 and to be able to actually play a Pikmin game instead of just watching other people play Pikmin online. <laughs> yeah. Um Pikmin 3, the De- Pikmin 3 Deluxe on the Switch is a fantastic package, and so you know, I feel like they finally have kind of nailed that game with the controls and everything. They've finally gotten it to where it needs to be. And then this just looks like a much more polished up version. And so that, you know, color me interested. Um, Alicia, there's a new Kirby game. I am so excited. We are getting fed for the 30th anniversary. <laughs> I mean, it's actually an old Kirby game, but it's uh, a port of the Wii Kirby game. Uh, Kirby's return, return to Dreamland with the title Deluxe added to the end, hmm. like they do all of their ports. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's nice. It looks like it's going to, you know, sometimes you just get a straight remaster. Where sure. it, it looks like this is going to be a full well, closer to a full remake, and, you know, it's following the same storyline and all that, but we've got not only just the different art style, but we've got a new copy ability. They're bringing in new mini-games. Um, there's hope online that they might bring back some of the older mini-games from, like, Kirby 64 that we haven't seen in a while. So I'm I'm, I'm not sure how I... I've, I go back and forth on how I feel about the art style because they have, like, the cell shading with the really strong outlines around the characters that at times looks good and at times looks really clunky. <laughs> yeah. But I'm I'm looking forward to this. I'm optimistic that regardless of whether or not... And, again, I'll probably get used to the cell shading... So it'll probably be fine. But regardless, I'm excited to get it and play it and just... Because really, like, how can... Kirby is shaped like a friend. How can you look at Kirby and not be happy? Shaped like a friend. That's a, that's a good way to sell Kirby. I, I cannot claim credit. That's been on the internet forever. That sounds like something in a Chucky movie or something. Like a Charles, Chucky, he's shaped like a friend. There's a really great YouTube video that I watched the other day that was breaking down because in Kirby Star Allies the uh, final I, boss is Void Termina. I was hoping you were going to say breaking down the child's play films. <laughs> no, I don't do scary. I'm sure there are great uh, videos out there breaking those down as well, but <laughs> I'd argue that the first child's play film isn't scary. 
<laughs> I don't. I don't do I, anything I, with a. I that, know that has a concept of our goal is to be scary. <laughs> the no, real I understand. world scares me enough. <laughs> I, I understand. I. I just. Um, it's a. It. I. I don't enjoy that movie because it's scary. I just. It, it's just so cheesy. Yeah. Understandable. But I. I get you. We'll yeah. be friends to the end. <laughs> Also, dolls are just creepy, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but I was watching a really interesting video that like broke down because the final boss at the end of Kirby Star Allies is Void Termina, and when you get inside, it's it looks like Kirby, and so breaking down a lot of the theories around like, is this what Kirby is? Like, how does how is it? tie into his existence and how do we get Void Termino over here as like the big bad versus Kirby who just wants to like eat snacks and take naps and play with his friends. And so really breaking down how the love around Kirby, both in game and just external from fans has shaped the character and continues to be his defining characteristic. And it was, I just love it. I love Kirby. (laughs) You just described her, Kirby as a cat. You know that. Right? <laughs> it, but there's a lot of similarities there. Uh, yeah. Actually, I was going to say, you could just reveal that Kirby is just a really weird type of cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, really, I mean, uh, he's just missing the ears. Like, you know. Hey, and you know what? You, you could get a copyability with those ears. <laughs> That's true. Like, I'm sure Kirby in some game at some point has eaten a cat, right? And I mean, Mario no. has. He, uh, well, Kirby has yeah, never. He has the cat suit. Kirby, Kirby has never, but we do have the Awoofies. Those are more like dog fox like, but. Right. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. We are getting an Octopath Traveler 2. That is a role playing game. You have eight different characters from different perspectives. It's in that, what they call the HD 2D style. Um, it looks fantastic. Like, just a beautiful looking game. Um, you know, this looks, this one in particular, even more so when they were showing some of the cities and the, the ship at the dock and everything just really struck me like a pop-up book, um, Mm. in the look of it. And it just, it just really stands out. I know they've done that with several games now, so I can't say it entirely looks unique, um, but it just stands out even, you know, among a sea of other games. So um, they announced a bunch of new N64 games that are coming to the Nintendo Switch Online expansion pack. So for the rest of this year and into next year, 1080p or 1080p, no, just, <laughs> just 1080 snowboarding. It's not actually in 1080p. Uh, Excitebyte 64, Pilot Wings, uh, the first three Mario Party games, the first two uh, Pokemon Stadium games. So a lot of excitement with all of those. Mm-hmm. But the big news was mm-hmm. GoldenEye 007. Yes. Um, so it is coming to Nintendo Switch Online. It is also coming to Xbox. It'll be part of Xbox Game Pass. Uh, however, only the Nintendo version will have online play. So there's been a lot of speculation about why that is and like how in the world could Xbox not put out an online play version of this. So it appears that Nintendo's emulator for N64 games, same as their NES and Super Nintendo emulators, 
allow you to play those games online, even if those games were originally, you know, obviously none of those games were originally built as multi as online multiplayer games, but as long as they were multiplayer games. So, for example, um, you know, a game like um, Mario know, Party. Yeah, like Mario Party, you know, because that was built to be a multiplayer game, they basically have tunneling software that allows other people to connect their switches and you play it as if you are there with each other in person playing the game. Um, now, this presents an interesting issue with GoldenEye 007 potentially because the multiplayer in this first-person shooter when this game was originally released was split screen. So you are theoretically going to be playing this split screen over the internet. So you will still have all four players on your screen. You will not get your own screen. You'll still be able to see where other people are and everything, just like you did, you know, 25 years ago when you were playing this on the Nintendo 64. Mm -hmm. Um, That's something I'm like fixed actually. (laughs) I actually kind of like that. I, I, I feel like a lot of times when I play multiplayer games, if, if we're not on the same screen, I lose track of where the other people are. Mm. And especially if I'm competing against them, I need to know where they are so I can stomp them. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, the thing that's kind of interesting about this is Xbox was working on what was a much more extensive remake of 007, which had online multiplayer built into it. That's not the version that the Xbox is getting. They're not getting that remake. What they're getting is the original uh, N64 ROM, it looks like. It's going to be run through emulation and everything. So it'll be a little bit, you know, uh, resed up and everything. It'll be running in a higher resolution. So it should look a little bit better. But it's not a remake of 007. And, you know, neither is this... Uh, version that's coming out on the Switch. So I think that's the important thing to understand. Now, maybe they'll put that version out eventually, but that's not what we're getting right now. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, a couple of reasons I'm excited about this. This is one of those games that I wasn't interested in, like, when I was younger, and it came out in N64 originally, and, like, in retrospect, I wish I had played. So this is, like, not, like, a nostalgic play, but, like, a, oh, dang it, I missed out on this, and now I understand what it was to have missed out on that, and I want to play it. Um, also like over the summer, I'm not like a big James Bond fan in terms of, I love all the James Bond movies or something like that. I, I probably don't, wouldn't care about a majority of them, but I, and I know this isn't connected to Goldeneye specifically, but I did play, watch the Daniel Craig ones. And I, I mean, there's some, there's some misses in that series, but for the most part, I loved him as Bond and I loved, I think I loved like a Casino Royale and Skyfall a lot, like, yeah. and I, so I kind of just want to, I want another good James Bond experience, and I feel like the one that I was more interested in than actually play, watching any of the other movies, I did watch some more outside of the Craig ones, but even more than watching the other movies, I wanted to play the GoldenEye game, because um, I knew that was, like, such a big deal in, like, video gaming history, and I wanted to give it a shot, so I'm, I'm happy about this. Yeah, I'll be interested to hear your impressions after playing it because Goat and I very much was a moment in time, it feels like. 
And I don't know how that game will hold up for new audiences playing it for the first time. Because first-person shooters have come so far right. since mm-hmm. that game came out. And part of the reason why it was so successful at the time was it was the first game to get first-person shooters right on a home console. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. To make multiplayer work, particularly the multiplayer, but even the single-player you know, to add in those story elements and like specific objectives that were more than shoot everybody and get a card key and, you know, mm-hmm. go through the door. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the PC games had done more at the time. So like, you know, Quake was already out on PCs when this comes out. So there were certainly games out that were pushing first person shooter boundaries but those weren't available to most people at that time. And so like it was really influential and really paved the way for all, obviously all the games that came after it, the, your halos, your call of duties, all of that sort of thing. So it'll be interesting to see people playing it now for the first time. Does it hold up? Cause it's a game I haven't gone back and played a whole lot in, you know, in several years. And I, I played hours and hours of that game originally. So Right. And I'm aware of the possibility that might not hold up as well as I'd like it to or something, or as I'd be excited. I might play it and be like, okay, I see why this is good for the time, but it's not that exciting now. But sure. I'm also like I was so surprised by how well Doom held up without the lens of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Like I could see saying that's my second favorite shooter game I've ever played. Um, Resident Evil Four still being number one, but yeah. um, it it was I would that you know there's a part of me that's like oh it'd be so good if cool if it still held up super well so okay we are getting a new Fatal Frame port uh, Mask of the Lunar Eclipse um, we are getting a new fitness boxing game this one fitness boxing <laughs> Fist of the North Star. This game made me so incredibly happy when it came up during the direct because it is the exact sort of stupid game you should be making. If you're making a fitness boxing game, take a crazy license like Fist of the North Star and slap it on there. And it just makes <laughs> it makes that game so much more interesting to me. As somebody who who would who just didn't play the original, I think there's been two fitness boxing games now. They just felt so generic and, you know, like, fine, they're fitness games. They're probably pretty good if you'll play them every day. But actually being able to fight characters out Fist of the North Star is infinitely more interesting. Oh, yeah. Fist of the North Star! Like, it just sounds like you're going to have some great attacks in that. That, Yeah, I would have no interest in just, like, fitness boxing. But the Fist of the North Star is the hook. So Fist of the North Star, and Ryan, you probably know this better than I, um, it's it's an anime and and manga, and it's extremely violent, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I'm not, so I'm not super familiar with it. I'm so, but I know enough about it that like this piqued my interest because, so it's like, I think one of, it was like one of the original shonen animes that kind of like, I mean, are shown in mangas that, like, set a lot of the tropes and stuff that you could expect. And it's doesn't, like, do anything to subvert anything. It's just, it's, like, a good model of how those worked once upon a time. Um, and I'm not necessarily that interested in Fist of the Nowhere Star specifically in and of itself. 
I'm not interested in fitness boxing, but somehow when you combine them, I'm just like, okay, I'm really curious now. <laughs> yeah. It's like that is such a wild thing to adapt into fitness boxing. Like, it's peanut butter and chocolate together at last. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's like, uh, maybe, and you know, so this is like, okay, maybe this is the version of Fist of the North Star I want to try. Um, and maybe, who knows, after this, I'll be like, oh God, Fist of the North Star is great. I want to read the manga, I want to watch the anime. But who, so who knows? But I, while I've never been that interested in Fist of the North Star or fitness boxing, either one more so than Fist of the North Star, I really want to try this out. <laughs> yeah, this seems like just a really smart way to continue that franchise and to do something that would make it actually pique people's interest. The only thing I can think that might have piqued my interest more would have been if you'd done fitness boxing punch out. And like mm, you know, yeah. brought back all those characters, and I don't know why they haven't done that other than they don't want to cheap out Punch Out. <laughs> like they're like that should be a major thing when we put out a new Punch Out game. And you know, Fist of the North Star, there's Fist of the North Star games that come out all the time, so why not slap this license on there? But very clever, very smart move. It feels like to me. Um, let's see there. <laughs> There was at least six farming games that they showed <laughs> off in this, which I just made a note of because I don't know. Like, if you're into farming games, you, like, have at it. Um, I feel like, you know, how many farming games do we actually need? How many farming games are people actually going to play? Yeah, um, there's definitely something magical about, like, Harvest Moon and Stardew Valley, but other than that, like... I don't know that six games can capture the magic in one year. And maybe they can. Maybe they'll surprise me, but... In fairness, I think these are coming out this year and into next year, so... Well, yeah. Year meaning 365 days. (laughs) It's funny, because this is, like, a thing in board gaming, too. There's just, like, a lot of board games about farming, specifically. And, like, there's particular people that are, like, known for doing it. Like, Uwe Rosenberg has done, like, mostly farming games. And and then, like, it's that, like, really another farming game? But then, you know... He does it, and he's just so good at it that you're like, okay, this is actually really good. But that that's the thing in board games, too. Although it's less magical in board games, it's more Uwe Rosenberg is going to make it really hard for you to, like, harvest all your pr- crops and feed your people, and then they might starve this season, and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's much it's harder, and it's sadder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think... I think, Alicia, you're right when you say, well, there's Harvest Moon, there's Song of Seasons, there are multiple franchises that already existed when Stardew Valley came out. It was this little indie game made by one person, and you kind of, you know, I think most people were fairly dismissive of that game early on, and then that game just took over and, like, you know, was a, a just runaway success. It was doing what those games did, but better in a lot of ways. Um, and so maybe one of these games will come out and it'll be the new Harvest Moon. It'll take those mechanics and those ideas and do them better than Harvest Moon does them. So I don't want to be entirely dismissive, but it very much does feel like everyone jumping on the bandwagon and saying, we're going to do exactly what they've been doing here. Um, and you know, that's less interesting maybe. Um, let's see. Uh, they also announced, the new Fire Emblem game, Fire Emblem Engage. This is a full Fire Emblem game. It's not a remake. It's not uh, one of the Mushu Warrior games. This is a full Fire Emblem game. Uh, the art style looks really nice. And, you know, if you're into Fire Emblem, hey, 
It's another Fire Emblem game. <laughs> Be excited. Um, let's see. In other Nintendo news, Splatoon 3 uh, debuted to the biggest launch in Japan ever for any game ever. It sold 3.4 million copies in its first three days of release. I repeat, this is the best-selling game ever in Japan upon release. Huh. I'm surprised. I'm impressed. I'm surprised, but I'm impressed. I, I hey, uh, me too. <laughs> I mean, almost shocked, I would say. First 3 days, 3.4 million copies. It doesn't look bad by any means. I'm interested in playing the Splatoon games. I just I've mostly been doing single player stuff and that looks like it's more fun with more than single player, but Really the biggest. Wow. You would think the biggest launch ever would be something like a Pokemon game. Or like a Mario or, game. Yeah. Or, or Final Fantasy or, Final or Dragon Fantasy. Quest. <laughs> like all these very storied historic franchises. But nope, some squid kids. Yep. Um, Splatoon is great. I love Splatoon. Those games are fantastic. I haven't jumped on this one yet, but I did play a lot of part one and part two. You didn't contribute to the... Well, I mean, to the biggest I, opening ever. I'm not in Japan. <laughs> um, What's your excuse? Just get some plane tickets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gosh, Justin. I know. I'm such a slacker. Aren't, aren't you going to be part of video game history right now? <laughs> <laughs> Splatoon 3. <laughs> Splatoon 3 history. Um, yeah, it's just... Uh, it is weird to think that when this franchise... This franchise is like less than a decade old. I mean, this is a franchise that debuted on the Wii U, you know, the system that very few people actually owned. And <laughs> it debuts on that system. It comes out. It's a pretty modest hit on that system for a brand new franchise. And then when the the Switch launches, they're like, hey, we're putting out uh, not a port of Splatoon, but Splatoon 2. And that one is bigger, and but you know the Switch is a bigger, more successful system. And oh you're yeah! Like, hey, that's like a, you know, that's really cool that this system is this game is finding an audience and everything. Like, good for Splatoon. Oh. And, but like I, I didn't realize this game selling this many copies, it has grown to the level. It has got to be one of Nintendo's top franchises. After three games, it is Nintendo one of Nintendo's top franchises. Like that's just mind blowing. I never expected that. Like this game is selling. This game by the end of this year will have outsold that Kirby and the Forgotten Lands game. It will have outsold Metroid Dread. It will have outsold so many more notable by name, you know, historically Nintendo games that have come out on the Switch. And, you know, I would say by the end of the year, it'll probably easily sell over 10 million copies. And yeah, if it's, it's already a third of the way there in three days in right. Japan only. I mean, that's putting it on track to outsell things like, um, you know, Luigi's Mansion 3 and, you know, which you would think is, you know, that's one of the Mario Brothers is Luigi. <laughs> like this would be but a also big... also it's s- Luigi. Yeah, I suppose. It's for <laughs> Luigi. Luigi is the forgotten brother. <laughs> when their mother introduces them, this is my son Mario and his brother Luigi. <laughs> and hey, you! 
um, yeah, so just, you know, amazing kind of news. Um, I would imagine that means we will be getting Splatoon games on a fairly regular basis for years to come. You know, this will be maybe their new, um, their new, it's not quite as big as Pokemon yet. I, I, I hesitate to say, but it's maybe getting there. And they are great games, by the way. If you've never played one of the Splatoon games, fantastic game. It's a shooter that is very suitable for children to play because you're just shooting paint. <laughs> um, let's see. Other news. Uh, Alicia, I put this in here particularly for you, but also <laughs> a little for me. Uh, Big the Cat is in Sonic Frontiers. Uh, that's really the news. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. I. They know there's a fandom for Big the Cat. I have a... I have such a love-hate relationship with Big the Cat. I I how, am excited to see him back, though. How, how can you have any hate for Big the Cat? I d- you know. <laughs> I mean, he, he pulls that series together. <laughs> I mean, he's not Rouge the Bat. True. <laughs> I don't know. I think sometimes... Sometimes I feel like they lean too heavy and too dumb as his character trait. Sure. But... Yeah. I am excited to see him back. Sonic Frontiers, honestly, like, I am, I I want to be so excited, and I'm starting to lose some of that guardedness against being so excited. Yeah, <laughs> you, like with you know better with a Sonic game. I do know better, especially when they when you know was it last week they released One OK Rock did the title song Vandalize. And I freaking love One OK Rock. Like, they're phenomenal. But at the same time, there's a little voice in the back of my head going, remember in Sonic 06 when Zebrahead did his world and it was so cool to have a punk rock band do the theme? And now we've got a J-Rock band doing the theme. Like, my, my brain is still just drawing way too many connections with how hype I was before Sonic 06. And then that game happened. <laughs> So I, I want to be cautious, but I'm, re- I'm starting to get to the point where I'm like, I don't even care. It it can suck. Don't take that seriously, Sega. Please make it a good game. <laughs> but I how can it possibly suck? It has big the cat in it. True. Now. That's all it needs. That that's that's the victory right there. <laughs> big the cat. It's gonna sell 3.5 million copies in the first three days in Japan. <laughs> None of us truly believe that, but <laughs> wouldn't it be nice? They need to give Big his own spin-off fishing game, and I think that's what well, people fun, are wanting. Fun fact, the whole reason Big the Cat exists is because they were they had invented like a another fishing game and wanted people to use the Fishing rod controller. So that was why they invented him and put him in Sonic Adventure <laughs> to make people interested in that. <laughs> yeah, I remember like fishing games were pretty popular in that era. And so when they put out that fishing rod controller, it was like, this thing's insane, but also kind of cool. Like, and I never got one of those. I kind of always secretly wanted one of the fishing rod controllers. <laughs> I, mean, I love I'm that. Imagining there being like a Sonic fishing game. Well, I mean, that's what this mini game is. He's in, he's in for a mini game. But I mean, the whole game it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I was saying. Like, Big the Cat needs his own spinoff fishing game, and it's him and it's him, him and, and Froggy. Yeah, or him and Knuckles out in a boat, like just fishing, and they're like 
they're drinking beers and <laughs> like talking. It's a it's, a, it's part down. visual novel, part like fishing <laughs> game. Just beat me to it. <laughs> oh man, I'd be down. How does their friendship progress? <laughs> I would love to. I mean, honestly, if they were going to do that, I would want to see more with like Team Rose. I, you know, I miss Sonic Heroes. I loved that game as a kid. I've gone back to it now, and I still love it. So I'm like, give me more Team Rose. Was he I, on Team Rose? Yep, it was okay. Amy, Cream, and Big. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Amy, Cream, and Big. Like those names. <laughs> One of these names is an actual name. One of them is something you eat, and one of them is a descriptor. <laughs> these do not sound like real. these do not sound like real names at all. Um, let's see. Three Four Industries. The head of Three Four Industries, Bonnie Ross, has announced that she is leaving the company. Um, she has been there the last, I think they said, fifteen years. Um, now she came out and stated that she was leaving for uh, medical reasons, uh, a, f- a family medical reason, um, but that she had been planning to leave anyway. Um, another executive has come out and announced that he is leaving 3-4 Industries as well. Uh, if you don't know, 3-4 Industries are the ones who make the Halo games. Halo Infinite is a, in a state of total mess right now. This very much feels like people abandoning ship or possibly being pushed overboard um, and getting pushed out the door as they Microsoft comes in and says, we're going to clean house and get this back into shape because we can't have our top franchise, you know, essentially just flailing wildly uh, out there. Um so there's, you know, there's some shame to to hear this and everything. Uh, you know, the game industry right now is still a developer's market, so I, I don't think it'll be a problem for these people leaving to find jobs. They can jump ship very easily and get somewhere new, but it probably means that you shouldn't expect any big salvation of Halo anytime soon. No one's going to get to see Master Chief's ass again. <laughs> Oh, no, no. They've started work on season two of that show. Oh, geez. <laughs> so, I mean, and you've got to up the ante. You've got to do something more than see his butt for season two. So, uh, I mean, I don't I don't want to imagine what that's going <laughs> yeah. to be. I wasn't going to go down that road. <laughs> uh, we'll see if OJ resubscribes just to watch season two. <laughs> Electric boogaloo. <laughs> Uh, let's see, David Harbour, uh, best known for Stranger Things, but also the Black Widow film. Um, he has not Hellboy. No, <laughs> not. I mean, he is the bad Hellboy. For all those listening, the look on Justin's face just now—if <laughs> looks could kill, Ryan would no longer be with us. <laughs> I mean, look, there are two really good Hellboy films mm-hmm. that are better than they should be. Oh, I agree. Like David Harbour had nothing to do with either of those films. <laughs> um, but he is going to star in the new Gran Turismo film, which, how is this a movie? <laughs> but like, Who the, knows? 
I mean, they're casting well, right? Like, so they've got a good actor. They've got a good director. So, I mean, I guess there's some hope for this film, whatever this film turns out to be. We'll see. Um, the Sims 4 is going free to play. Um, so either of you are Sims players? No, I like for that. I kind of like prefer like something like Animal Crossing. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I I honestly like I would sit there with my friends while they played The Sims and hang out with them while they did, but it was never really my vibe. Well, for those of you who have always wanted to see if it was your vibe, you can now check it out entirely free. At least the base game. You still have to pay for the. 500 expansions that are available. <laughs> Let's see. Um, this is the latest news. This actually just happened last night. Uh, Sikaden, or Sukaden, depending how you pronounce it, is getting a remake. So Sikaden 1 and 2 are getting remade, HD remakes. So they're taking the original PlayStation games, they're converting them from 4x3 into 16x9. They're adding in all new high-definition backgrounds into the game world and also into um, into the fight scenes. Um, they are doing new character art, the close-up portraits of the characters. Um, it looks fantastic. If you've never played the Sikaden games, then um, those first two games are beloved on the original PlayStation. Uh, Sikaden 2 was, for a long time, one of the most expensive games on the original PlayStation um, because basically nobody bought it. (laughs) It had very (laughs) limited copies out there in the wild, and it was very hard to come by, and then they put it back out on, I forget, PlayStation 3, I guess it was, uh, so you could download it and play it that way. But this is a brand new remake. It is coming to everything. Switch, Xbox, PlayStation, Steam. Uh, yeah, if you like role-playing games, this is a fantastic one. This is one of the best ones, in my opinion, ever made. Um, if you're not familiar with the series, it is um, there's a Japanese legend of 108 heroes coming together. That's what this game is based on. So you have to collect 108 characters and you like build them up together until you like have essentially Mm -hmm. built an army and you have a castle and they're all wandering around it together and you can interact with them. Um, And a lot of the characters are hidden. You have to do certain things in order to like get them to join your party. It's just fantastic. Wonderful role-playing game. Um, so I'm super excited. They're coming out together in one package, so even I mean, better. Did they give um, us a date? Um, only next year. Okay. I'm curious to try this. Yeah, I think depending on price, right? Like, I, I don't know what the price is at. Um, I guess they might go full $60, but especially if they go $40, like, this should be a fantastic package. Um, All right, that does it for news this week. Let's get to our big question. And our big question this week is literary in nature. So which novel would you most like to see adapted into a video game? So if you could have any novel made into a video game, which one would it be? Uh, Ryan, why don't we start with you? 
Okay, so I don't think this would count as cheating. I think it did because it got made to a movie. I think they made a movie, an adaptation, a video game adaptation of the movie, but not like directly from the book. I think something that'd be cool to see, like a more just made to be a good game, would be like an adaptation of like the Neil Gaiman book Coraline. And like maybe you could take Coraline and turn it into like a classic Resident Evil style game of her like exploring like the i can't remember what the term was but like the other mother's house like their dream you know her dark demented dream house and make it like a game about exploring that and maybe learning more about the lore of the world you're in and you know doing the puzzles like like was done in the book like she had to find like i think three glass eyes at some point or something it's been a while since i read it and like you know I think, you know, that, that book already comes with, like, interesting puzzles within it, like, just with, like, adventures like that, like, mm-hmm. that you could easily adapt into stuff for the game. And, like, you know, it'd be cool if, like, rather than, like, try to make it look like the movie. I I love how the movie looked, don't get me wrong, but it did try to do, like, something like, I think it was artist David McKean that did, like, the artwork for, like, the book. It'd be cool if, like, you got him, like, his designs of the characters and, like, the game tried to look like something he drew or something. Um, that that would be mine, like a really cool game, like Resident Evil, like type game, based off of Coraline. Yeah, I think that sounds really interesting. That's a that's a great story. Yeah. And so I could see that making a, a fantastic video game. I did uh, just Google it real quick. There is a video game of it, but it, you know, it looks fairly. I, I know nothing else about it other than that it looks like a fairly generic platformer. Yeah. Um. So. You know, probably not fully capturing um, the feeling of the book or even the movie. Yeah, that, and that's what I wanted, something that would, like, capture... That doesn't try to be, like, the movie or a version of the movie that tries to be, like, its own translation of the book and tries to do its best to do that in game form. Okay. Um, Alicia? I'm going to throw it back to a childhood favorite here, and I'm going to say the Percy Jackson series. I would love to see those books adapted into video games. We're getting a new TV series. We are getting a Disney Plus show, and I'm sure that they will make video games based off of that. But I... I don't know. I'm very excited for the show. I'm very optimistic. I also think that some it'll be interesting to see... Words. Please work. Please get from my brain out of my mouth. But I think I think I almost would want to see a more animated style for a video game of Percy Jackson because I think there's just so many fantastical elements that my one concern about the TV show is that some of them will end up looking either corny or just plain not good. And right. it could be an invalid concern. Maybe it will all look fantastic, but I think especially when you look back at when they switched over to Viria as the official artist for the Percy Jackson series, just like her drawing styles made every character look fantastic. And again, being able to lean into those mythological elements and really go ham with it, make it super cool. I would, I'm very excited we're getting the live action show, but I would like to see more of like an animated style video game probably play wise in the style of like the Lord of the Rings games or when they had the Harry Potter games back in the day. So 
probably play style, something like that. But I think that would be a lot of fun to go back and play as a video game as opposed to just rereading the books. I think that's really interesting that both of you have said, you know, the artwork from the books would be like fantastic, right? Uh, to base a game around that and everything. So I think that's um, that's really interesting because I, I think oftentimes so many video games end up looking exactly the same, mm-hmm. right? And there's some reasons for that. And, you know, you're using the same game engine and everything. And so you kind of just like, well, just make the characters look realistic, you know, and... Um, and I think one of the things that we miss out when we do that is all these differing art styles that could really make an otherwise forgettable looking game really stand out and look mm-hmm. like something new and different. Mm-hmm. So that game Pacific Drive on the PlayStation that they showed off is like a it's like a roguelite game where you have to drive in your car and but like you're collecting parts to keep your car running and everything. And it just has this fantastic art style to it that just makes it look, you know, sort of creepy and weird and different than anything else. And instantly got my attention for Mm -hmm. the game where if they had done it much more realistic, I don't think I would have cared. I wouldn't have paid as much attention to it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, don't get me wrong. It's impressive how realistic video games can look now. But I think also, like you said, it makes a lot of them look kind of generic in some sense where it's like, okay, like Hogwarts Legacy does not, the characters don't look interesting. No. The visual style is fine. You know, it looks like it'll have some beautiful graphics, but the characters themselves do not look interesting. And I'm like, I want to see characters who look interesting. I want to see... A distinct style to this game. You want to see Biggs the Cat? <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> Honestly, just like, who needs the Minotaur? Just throw in Big the Cat. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, and of course that was part of the appeal of Big the Cat originally. He actually is a good character design. Yeah. He's goofy, and I mean, I, I think you're <laughs> right that the voice acting has sometimes betrayed him. But, like, the character design was instantly likable. Um, and particularly at a time when they were expanding the Sonic universe and just adding all these random characters who, to me, as somebody who's not a diehard Sonic fan, so many of those characters are forgettable to me. Like, it's like, hey, we now we have a Bat character that's sort of like Sonic, except, look, she has breasts. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, probably exactly the conversation in the dev room when they were like, we need Rouge the Bat. And How do we distinguish? But you know, <laughs> Give those teenagers their waifu. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. And and Big just felt like so, like, he, he felt much more in the line with Sonic and Tails of like, here's a wholly original character that we came up with. And we're not just taking Sonic and coloring him a different color and calling it a new character. Did you mean Shadow? Did you mean Silver? Did you mean... (laughs) I love those characters, but... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, which is how the Sonic and Friends start to feel, right? And, um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. When you talk about the, the Hogwarts Legacy game, that game just looks so boring and gloomy and, like... 
it's a fantasy wizarding game. It should be exciting looking and it should be, you know, there should be some awe in it, I feel like. And um, now we're seeing that all of Hogwarts just went through like a really big emo phase. <laughs> that wasn't even like good emo. It was just like, <laughs> oh, we're going to just like a kind of just half-hearted do this and. Yeah, and I think that game takes place in like the 1800s, so it's like 100 years before emo was a thing. <laughs> Hogwarts invented emo. Yeah, Hogwarts was emo before emo. Like, <laughs> it's hipster Hogwarts. Is that, is that the next J.K. Rowling quote? Like, oh, sounds like something man. she might say. Oh, man. Um, but well, And speaking to... the. Going back to the art style too, like Percy Jackson is a really interesting example because the original art was not great. Like yeah. it was fine, but then people became so. Viria was a fan artist, you know, she was on like DeviantArt and Tumblr and all that, mm-hmm. and people became so attached to her interpretations that Riordan actually went out and hired her as like now her art is on official merch. Mm-hmm. So it's a really interesting case of like we picture the characters a certain way, even though you gave us the original way. And so now this is, but this is more distinct. This is more interesting. And yeah, I wish that video games would lean into that distinct, because there's a lot of opportunity for distinct styles. You know, even if, even if you've got to have generic character, you can still lean into distinct styles and like backgrounds or vice versa, you know, generic backgrounds, distinct characters and, yeah, it just feels like we don't get a lot of that these days. No, I don't think we do. I think that was something that died off in the to some to a large degree in the transition from 2D to 3D games. Yeah. And I, I'm sure for technical reasons there's an explanation for that, that somebody doing the art in these games or even just maybe other issues, collision detection, who knows, uh, could explain. But from simply an outsider's perspective, it's, it's somewhat disappointing at times. Character design peaked with Waluigi, and it just kind of fell after that. <laughs> well, that it's a given. Yeah. That, that's to be Waluigi and Big the Cat, the only original characters. Ooh, they, they, they need a buddy cop film. <laughs> Slash rom-com. <laughs> they were are, are partners, we, but now they're partners. Are, are we making Waluigi oh, yeah. a furry now? <laughs> I mean, why not? No judgment, but... Are you doubting that Waluigi would be? I mean, they did, oh, not too long ago, release, like, saucy, like, official art of Waluigi. Like, you think, like, an actual Nintendo artist, like, did a render of him, like, looking kind of flirty with a rose in his mouth, and, like, it got released. Great. Like a game about that. Um, all right. Well, let's move on before this gets too bizarre. Uh, (laughs) So I I wrote down two things here. Uh, The first one is Stephen King's It. Mm. I can see that. So I'm thinking like a a classic adventure game um, where you're having to like get through this world and accomplish different tasks and everything. Um, You're having to go and clean up Beverly's bathroom, but you're having to go find the items <laughs> to let you clean it up and all that sort of stuff. Um, or 
when I was a kid, I was always frustrated when they made a Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th game that you played the victims. You didn't get to play as Freddy or Jason. So what if you made a game where you're Pennywise and you have to, like, stalk the victims and find out what it is that scares them and, like, unleash that onto them? So you have different pyres, different things that you can unleash. Um, that would be a lot of fun. That often gets left out of the movies, but that's a pretty big part of the original novel. Mm-hmm. So that could be pretty fun. Uh, the other thing I wrote down, because it's maybe my favorite novel of all time, is uh, Edith Wharton's The Age of Innocence. And uh, this would almost have to be like a visual novel style game. So, um, but just a game where it is you trying to make sure that you get all the like little uh, intricacies of high culture correct. <laughs> and, but everyone's conspiring against you while you're doing that. <laughs> um, and that just sounds like a, a bizarre game, but like sometimes I like it when people take these uh, properties and make like experimental games with it. Like yeah, they, mm-hmm. they made a game of Walden, right? Which is the thing that you would think would be the least you could make a video game of, and they went and made a video game of it. And I love that somebody tried to do that. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to think what would be something that would be difficult and challenging but kind of interesting if they could pull it off so yeah that does it for this week's episode uh alicia ryan thank you uh for being here for another week Um, thank you justin thank you justin (laughs) thank you mr newsman (laughs) (laughs) he'll be ryan will be back at five with the weather (laughs) you betcha but are we throwing turkeys out of a helicopter? Oh. <laughs> you betcha. I'm on a ride when the turkeys in the sky. As God is my, my witness, witness, I, I thought, thought they turkeys could fly. Could fly. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's one of the all-time great jokes. Uh, <laughs> it's just one of the best episodes of anything ever. <laughs> uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, we'll come back to it at Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, yeah, well... We'll definitely come back to that. (laughs) Um, And you two are both involved with Zoe's show, right? Yes. Um, Working behind the scenes. So, um, Alicia, you are assistant directing. Is that correct? I am indeed. And then, Ryan, you are working some of the backstage lighting and sound? Yes. So, um, So if you're in the Carbondale area, then next week, the 22nd through the 24th, 8 p.m. in the Kleinau Theater will be Zoe's show, Left on Red. Please do note that it has mature themes, so make sure that you come prepared for that. You know, don't probably don't want to bring a seven-year-old, but it's, no. go, it's going to be great. Um, tickets are $5 with a student ID or $7 for community members. Um, we can only accept cash at the Kleinau, but hopefully y'all make it out if you're in the Carbondale area. Yeah, and um, I can speak as an outsider. I did see one scene of this during the graduate student showcase, and it was very entertaining. Uh, And so I'm looking forward to seeing the entire show. Um, But that does it for us this week. Thank you for listening. As always, you can find us at salukigames.com. You can find us on whatever podcast app that you prefer, Spotify, Google, Apple, 
and uh, we appreciate you listening. We'll be back next week. Bye.